the other day we we talked about uh, and I mentioned about inspiration and the thought that I had <clears throat> that I had gotten through, through the scriptures from from God is that anything outside of inspiration is just evil anything outside of being inspired by God uh, would be and all it could be is evil so and let's see what that means and see how let's see how this operates in the church today in the local assembly so remember in first Timothy the epistle of first Timothy teaches how to function in order how and how to function in order a local assembly how it functions each one in their place second timothy the second Tim, timothy the epistle of second timothy teaches how to function as individuals in a local assembly in the midst of disorder and what that means is many times there's this so in second timothy chapter 2 Verse 19, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, immovable, certain. And we know that Christ, uh, that foundation has to do with Christ. So in Matthew 16 and, and verse 18, Jesus said this in response uh, to Peter and, and what the Father had given him. He said this, that what? I will build my church and then the gates of hell, all the assembled powers of hell will not prevail against it. And we know in 1 Corinthians 3.10 and 13 that, that Christ, the heavenly Christ, chose Paul to lay in us this foundation that Christ is. Remember he said to Peter, he said, in your name, your name is Peter, Petros, small stone. And he said, upon this foundation, Christ himself, a massive ledge, I will build my church. I will build it up and edify it. So here in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19, again, this is teaching us as individuals how to function in the midst of disorder. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, certain. It stands sure. It stands steady and immovable. Steady and immovable. Having this seal the Lord knows them that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And we know iniquity is, is any, anyone's will that lives in active disobedience to God's divine will. That's what sin is. It's acting in my will. And then we can do that, all of us, we can do that ignorantly, 
or we can do it rebelliously. Now, does God love us when we're ignorant or even when we're rebellious? Absolutely does. That never changes. Are we a finished product? Absolutely no question about it positionally. But in growth, in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, there's training and there's teaching, and there's teaching how to function in order and in the midst of disorder. And there's a precise order that God has. And if we don't understand that order, ignorantly or rebelliously, then can we be overcome by iniquity? And we will be, all of us. Have, we have two, fen, we have, well, really one great phenomenal capacity and potential. In Romans 8, 9, it says that the flesh is in us. That's a, that's a very bad capacity, and that's in every single one of us. We have the flesh in us, but we are of Christ. So there's two things that can happen. And the word, the instruction of the word, is, is to safeguard us. And love is always speaks of protection. Love always speaks of protection. That's who God is. <clears throat> and so, that's what it's saying. Let everyone that names the name of Christ, his person, and the work that he's accomplished, meaning his order. Okay. Let, depart from iniquity. Now, can, can I be a very sweet, loving person, and still function in areas of ignorance. Yes, of course, we all can, all of us, the very best of us, and sometimes the very worst of us, <laughs> in terms of behavior, not position. And we can. We can all function in that. But when the light comes, and the light is always the activity, it's the purity of God's nature to give us the energy and protection of his love. That's what the teaching and preaching of the word does. And so when that happens, then we have, we have a choice to make. We can submit our will and say, oh, geez, I was ignorant. I didn't know that. Now, verse 20. But in a great house, okay, in any assembly, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth. Now, in each of us, each of us, Christ in us, is he, that, is he that vessel in us, in us as a vessel, Christ in the vessel, the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Is he gold and silver? Yes. You see, that's who we are in a finished product. Okay. But also in us, and also in local assemblies too, there's also vessels of what? Wood and of earth, and some to honor, yes, and some to dishonor. Now, we are always, in Ephesians 5, 21, to honor one another in Christ, always. And just because teaching comes in, teaching is loving correction. It's not accusing, it's not condemning, it's not putting anyone on trial at all, at all. But there's a specific order in how that happens. Now, therefore, it says, if any man therefore purge himself from these, he will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. Now, we see how that happens. We, we will be a vessel unto honor, meaning we'll always honor 
who Christ is in us. And when we do, we're honoring ourselves. And when we do, we honor others. Now, in this specific order that God has. So here, then it says sanctified. And that's the learning process in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. It always speaks of being separated, our experience. Now, we're separated from all of this, all the evil and all the sin in our position. Now it has to work into our experience. And that was Jesus when he said in John 17, 17, he said, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. So sanctification in growth progressively simply means to be set apart through the will receiving, even if if it was ignorance, through the love and light of the scriptures that come in and dawns on it. It separates from one thing and gets us separated back into another. Okay. Positionally, we were... We were sanctified. The moment we received Christ, we were set completely apart and out of the out of the old man and set into Christ. That's Romans six one through six, and I think it's very beautiful the way that Romans six one through six talks about how the flesh has been crucified. I'm going to tell you that is propitiation, <laughs> brought out beautifully, beautifully, and it's in 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 its complete understanding. In understanding it in, in uh, Romans 3 and verse uh, 23 and 24, and in Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. goes into that beautifully. And that was because all were dead in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. Uh, all were dead. The love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge, discern, right, that all were dead. <laughs> all were dead as far as God was concerned. But then when he was propitiated, now Christ could be offered as the, as the substitute to reconcile. And that's what God is doing with the truth this morning. He's reconciling us. He's renewing our minds. He's not holding us guilty. He's not putting on us on probation. He's not putting people up and, and putting them to shame through the teaching. He's not doing that. But there is loving correction. And that's what it's saying. If a man therefore purge himself from these, you'll be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. Beautiful. And meet. Meet there means qualified. For the master's use. Oh, that's the most incredible thing. But that's always in its place. For the master's use is in its place. And prepared for what? Every good work. Now, one of these times we want to get into... How men and women are to function in their proper place in a local assembly. It is completely and utterly missing in how a local assembly should operate. Because we have been we have been taught things that were not true to the word of God, whether it was ignorance or otherwise. It's just the truth of the matter. If I, if I taught certain things like we got into today, they, they're gonna, they, they would seem to, to a person who wasn't taught, they would seem to be very hard and uncompassionate. But yet, that's God's word. And remember, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. <laughs> profitable. And see what it says? Again, all scripture, all scripture, is given, we see here in Second uh, 
Timothy 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, God breathing out. God is breathing out his word today, his counsel to us. It is, all scripture is given by God breathing it out. Can you believe, God breathing out his very self, his nature through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And is profitable. Why? Because it's love. In 1 Corinthians 13 too, if I have not love, proper teaching. I am what? In my own eyes, not God's. I am nothing. And without love, it profits me in 13.3, what? Nothing. And the enemy convinces me of that through his lies and through his devices, of which we'll see this morning. So if any man, in sec, uh, but again, let me finish a second, uh, Timothy 3 and verse 16. But it's profitable for, repro- for, for doctrine. This is precise teaching and preaching constantly. Constantly. For reproof, and we'll get into these words more clearly in the days to come, for correction. And that God's love corrects us. He's correcting us. A lot of times that's chastisement. And a lot of that times that comes through the preaching and teaching of the word. But it's, it's protection. It's love. It's protection. The anger's not directed at the person. It's what's behind it. It's what's causing the cause that's not of who they are in Christ. That's the thing. And that doesn't need any backup counsel or two voices, ever. When the word is preached, it's never to be, ever, it's never to be, when that word is preached, that's it. It's never to be brought in other counsel. That's not God's order at all, in the least bit. Ignorantly? Oh, rebelliously. Notice what it says here, that the man of God may be complete for instruction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished, fitted out unto all good works. Now, I'm close with this on this verse in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 21. It says, if, if, any, if, if a man purge himself from these, and how does that happen? Through the preaching and teaching of the word and through receiving it. And we, God has to deal with all of us in areas, two areas, ignorance and rebellion constantly with all of us because that's part of our training. <clears throat> and here it is. Meet qualified for the master's work. Notice whose work? Master's use, which is his work. Whose works is it? In Philippians 2, 12 and 13. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It's Christ's works that go through in us and of us. We don't take credit for a single thing. All glory and credit and honor goes to him. Period. And that's why when we said yes yesterday that it is not the word of men that is being preached. Therefore, it doesn't need backup counsel. I'm going to make that crystal clear. Because when you hear two voices after a word is given, after counsel is given through the word, to hear another voice is confusion. 
it brings in confusion. And we'll see that this morning. And then we'll be prepared unto every good work. And then that work in us will cause us to flee youthful lusts and to follow righteousness. And notice, righteousness, faith, dependence. And when we do, we experience love, not charity, agape love. Then we have peace. And we have it together with them that call on the Lord out of a heart that's been purified. We need to be purified. All I need to be purified. We all do of areas of ignorance and rebellion. But there's an order. There's an order for that. And sometimes the fault, the fault of me, my fault has been, my fault has been allowing others to function in a place that was never given them. And I set them up for failure and those, those that will hear them. And it just, it, and, and it hurts both. And for that, I've had to confess that before God and then get back to the scriptures of which we'll get to here this morning. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. We can see the protection that God has. Okay, now, and you'll see in 1 Peter, the third chapter, listen, every one of us are weak. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, in Joel 3.10, we're all weak. But we all can be strong when we function in our proper place in a local assembly through, pre through the preaching and teaching of the Word of God by, by the scholar, the Holy Spirit, through a submitted man. And believe me, pastors and teachers are men, masculine singular. That's in the Old Covenant. That is in Jeremiah 3 and verse 15. I will give you pastors according to my heart. That's masculine singular. And in Ephesians 4.11, pastors and teachers, again, there is masculine singular. See, males and them only. That's what it's teaching. Those are the ones in a local assembly through the preaching and teaching of the word are the ones to give the counsel. And that is period. Otherwise, Otherwise, ignorantly or rebelliously, it's interference with God's counsel. And that cannot be. That cannot be. It, it, can't, it can't, because then God will give counsel to individuals. And then if there's a secondary one, it's still giving them the provision to do it. When we don't have all the information. And God will give that discernment. And remember, discernment comes through brokenness. There's no flesh involved. I can be angry. Yes. I am angry at certain things that the devil does to people. You can bet, you can bet your bottom dollar on that. Ephesians 4 verse 26, be angry and sin not. And don't give place to the devil. I can be that way towards individuals in love and say, and, and, and say to them, okay, you know, you can be angry, but don't sin. Because if you do and live in areas of sin, and can I live in areas of sin ignorantly? Yes, I can. We all can. But then there's a proper order of how God deals with that in a local assembly. That's how he does it. He deals with individuals in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Each one is an individual, but in, in, in a local assembly in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. The body is one, but there are many members. And that's how he deals with us precisely. Now again, the woman in 2 Peter, I, I should say 1 Peter, we need to see this. 
that in 1 Peter we have here, women are what? Wives and women, who are they? They're, they are considered to be the weaker vessel. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean? And men can be weak too, but now, again, we're going to talk about order this morning. Precise order. Now, when it says that, that women are the weaker vessel, does that mean they're the lesser vessel? <laughs> does it ever say that in the scriptures? Never. You, you, it never says that. But women are the weaker vessel. What does the scripture say the reason why they are the weaker vessel? Because they were designed to be responders, not initiators. Ever. Ever. Never. Did you know this? And we're going to read it. We'll read the scriptures this morning. That a woman is never to teach a man ever at any single time, anywhere, at any time. Did we get that? That's what the Bible says. Share Christ? Yes. Personal testimony? Yes. Pray? Yes. They're to teach young people and children. Period. Young. Very young. Not men. Gosh. Never. Ever, never, 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 ever. And the reason for that is given way back in Genesis, the third chapter. Why? Why are they not to do that? Because it's love protecting them. Why? Because Eve acted, acted, because she was a responder, she gave place to the initiations of the enemy. Thereby she became deceived. And she can constantly, I don't care how sweet, kind, loving, can constantly be deceived. And I believe in cases of, of dear women of God that I know in my life, it's definitely not rebellion. Ever. But it's ignorance. There's no question about that. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how sweet they are. It doesn't matter. Every scripture is given by the inspiration of God. He breathed it out. He spoke it. He spoke it. The woman was deceived. The woman was deceived. And as a result of that, we see what happened. As a result of her being deceived, then what happened? Okay. What happened to it? The Lord said to what? Unto the woman in 3.16, now listen to what it says. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow through conception. In sorrow, you will bring forth children. And your desire will be to your husband. Now, if you don't have one, Christ can operate as your husband ahead, just like he would with the, with the husband ahead over a wife exactly and how to operate in a local assembly. He will do that. And your desire will be to your husband and he will rule over you. In other words, he will be your guide, not ruling over you and dominating you through legalism. No, but he will be a proper guide. A proper guide. Now, what does it say here? 
This is where this is where we get the preciseness of this teaching. And you know, he had to deal with the man. He dealt with the man first. Why? Because these, he was the initiator. And no matter how he tried to blame God through giving him the wife, it was still his fault. Still his, his sin that needed the correction, reproof, instruction, and righteousness. In God's order. In God's order. Now, I did not write these things. And, and by the way, do we believe that the epistle to 1 Corinthians is the epistle that God gave through Paul to give to the church? Do we believe that? How to operate in a local assembly? This is what it says. And this is for our protection. And this is where I've made my mistakes and God has corrected them thoroughly. And this is the result of this preaching this morning for people that I love deeply. And that's the whole motivation for this. It is the love of God. Now, you will see in, first, in Corinthians, Corinthians, the Corinthians, they gave Paul more trouble than any other local assembly. They got to the point where after he had taught them and given them the word, invested in them, poured his life in them, they got to a point where they felt like they didn't need him anymore and wanted to refuse his counsel and really to refuse his very life from entering into their life. And that's why he wrote, the Holy Spirit had him write the second epistle of Corinthians. Had him write that whole thing because they were rejecting him. And that can happen subtly, by the way. And it can happen in ignorance, too. I can be so blinded by that and think I'm, think I'm doing... Is it, read John 16, too. They thought they were doing God's service but were killing the body of Christ. It's not going to happen here. Mm-mm. By the grace of Almighty God. You see the trouble they got. Now, when you read 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, notice the preface before it, because there's no chapters and verses. It flows beautifully in the Koine Greek New Testament. It's all about love. And we know God is love, and love protects us. But watch how it flows into the 14th chapter. We're to follow after what? And desire spiritual, the things of the spiritual things of gifts. What? No, but rather that you may prophesy, preach. Right? Now again, where it says here, for he that speaks in an unknown tongue. Unknown's not in the original. There's no such thing as gibberish or angelic tongues anywhere in the scriptures. Matter of fact, when they approached Daniel and when they approached John, the beloved apostle, they spoke in languages that he understood. Period. Unknown is not in the original. It's why it's italicized. It's an interpolation. It does not belong there. It was put there. Follow it all the way through. Follow it all the way through. When I don't speak inspired of God, what do I speak in? Might as well just be gibberish. 
It might as well just be gibberish. Word of God is given, then I come in and say, might as well, it just might as well be gibberish. Follow it through here in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. Follow it all the way through, and we're going to see this. Verse 33. For God is not the originator, the leader, because that's really what it's saying. He's not the originator and leader of what? Tumult or unquietness or confusion, but of peace as in all churches, all the church of the saints. That's really what it should say, by the way. Now here's verse 34. I did not say this. I've operated wrongly about this. And it's caused a lot of confusion. And God wants it to stop. Because he loves us. <clears throat> Let your woman keep silence in the church. That's what it says, folks. You know, we came out of a system... I'm telling you, women speaking, you know, we all gather together. And when we gather together as the assembly, who are we? We're the ecclesia of the church. They talk, they sing. I don't know, should they? Should they? Oh, I don't know, that's old-fashioned. I, I didn't write this. I didn't write it. God did. Listen, that's what it says. Not me. And it's to protect them. Not to accuse or condemn them, but to protect them so that they function in their place. And we're going to see the beauty of, of the place of women and men, too. Let your woman keep silence in the church, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. Oh boy. What? Yes. I did. Is this God's word? But, uh... They are commanded to be under obedience, as also says the law. You mean legalism? No, the law of what God said in Genesis 3 that we just read. In verse 15, to protect them from being deceived again, functioning in deception. That's what it says here. Mike and I, we talked about writing a booklet, and I am going to write it about men and women and how they should function in their proper place. It's very needed because it's extremely missing. It is in local assemblies. <clears throat> that, but also under the law. Now listen, verse 35, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. Now what if you don't have one? Well, okay, if you're a widow or you're never married, who's your head? Christ. Wouldn't he direct you to do the same thing? that a godly husband should do? Would it be any different? The head of every man is who? It's Christ. The head of the woman is the man. Do you see the beautiful order? And the head of Christ is God. That's 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. Now, we see this beautifully. If they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands where? At home. At home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Did I say that? Did I say this? Are we getting it clear this morning? Am I getting it clear this morning? No more backup counsel. Not needed. Not wrong. It's not right. Ignorantly or otherwise. Now, this is 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
Remember now, 1 Timothy chapter 2 is how to function in order. Follow it all the way through. Follow it all the way through here. Notice this again in 1 Timothy 2, 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Try and get that to get going in a local assembly. Try and get that going. Boy, very convicting to me. Try and get that one going. You can put all the armor on you want in Ephesians 6, 10 to 17. But then prayer, 18 and 19, without it, what is that armor? He won't even go into battle. I will therefore that men, this is men, men in particular, not women, men, masculine, pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You need counsel, this is where you get it. You need counsel. You don't have to go to anyone else. If you need counsel, come to me. That's right. That's right. That's who you go to for counsel. Do we understand that? Is that, is that clear in the scriptures? Now here. In like manner also that women adorn themselves... In modest apparel, boy, try that one on for size today. How women should dress. Certain things should always be covered fully. Fully. <laughs> fully, by the way. And their beautiful shape should be covered, by the way. I'm going to make that crystal clear, too. That's very crystal clear in the scriptures. This hasn't changed. But, oh, well, that's old fashioned. Really? Really. In modest apparel, with shamefacedness, not in the, in the sense of quietness and not speaking out of turn, ever. Not with broided hair, and not just with broided hair. It's, it's good for a woman to fix herself up and, it's, and it's to bring out the beauty that God has created her in, which is perfect or gold, or pearls, or costly array, but which becomes women professing, really, it should be confessing godliness, with good works, with the works of Christ flowing in her, and they will in her proper place. Let the woman, here's verse 11, learn, listen, in all, in silence, with all subjection. But I allow not a woman to teach. There it is. Not to allow a woman to teach. Nor to usurp authority over the men. Could that happen ignorantly? Yeah. With the best intentions and sincerity? Yes. Yes. But to be in silence. That's protection. Why? He's going to reveal the law that is being talked about. Not the Ten Commandment law, but the law of love and protection. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. 
notwithstanding, she will be saved in childbearing. If they continue in faith, dependence, and love, self-sacrificial love with holiness and sobriety, meaning knowing how to think precisely. Precisely. Now, here, all through the scriptures, and I'm going to bring this out as we close, can a man get just as deceived as a woman? Absolutely. Absolutely. But is not as susceptible as women. Just want to be honest with you. More cults and more things have happened as a result of Satan getting a hold of women and using them. Not that he can't with men, because that's happened too. But a lot of it, a lot of things have happened as a result of that. Now, And we're going to bring out, we're going to bring out the words here. Now, Second Corinthians 2, verse 10 says this, To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. Do you know why God gives us precise correction and teaching? Not to accuse us, to condemn us. But that's the flow of love that gives us the opportunity to confess it. There's no shame involved in that at all. There's no shame. It's part of our growth in confessing. Yes. And first John 1, there's no shame involved in that. Ever. We're not to have. We don't ever want shame in 2 Timothy 1.12. Because there is no shame in us. In Hebrews 2.11, Christ doesn't see us with any shame whatsoever, positionally. He just doesn't want us operating in it so that we, through, through ignorance or rebellion, function in that. Because it's sin. It's sin. And there's no flow of his love to protect us. So, here, again, it says... To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. In other words, when they operate, and of course Paul's mind is that way too, because they're one. In John 17, 11, 21 and 22. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, forgave it in, in what, or by, in, and through the person of Christ in me. Now, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. His devices. Notice that? And we're going to get into that word as we close this morning. That word on, on devices, we see. So, devices. The next time that that word is used, and I want us to see the majority of that word in the New Covenant, the New Testament, is all in the Corinthians. Do we understand that? The church that gave Paul more problems than any other church or local assembly. They function completely out of order. They had all kinds of gifts, but they function completely out of order. They gave him more problems than they began to counsel him. Did we hear that? They began to counsel him <laughs> with rejection. That That's okay. That This is okay that, you know, the word was preached, but this is okay. No. 
No backup counsel ever. Never. Never to be. I don't care about it one single time. Now, advantage. Now, the next time, the next place that that word is used, again, in the original, is in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 14. But their minds were blinded, hardened. Because that's the, one of the words for device. Their minds became hardened. Listen, there are things in me that I learned that weren't right. And I became hardened in my reasoning and thinking of them. I did. And God had to correct me and still does to this moment. Hardened. Because if they're not dealt with in Hebrews 12 and verse 15, it defiles many. The area that I function in through deception and denial. The words preach, well, let's, let's modify it. No, no, no need for it, ever. Ever, never. Their minds were blinded, hardened, for until this day remains the same veil untaken away. What is that? That's the flesh. That's things we thought were okay because we operated in them for years because we were taught that. I'm telling you that in my own life. Gosh, I look back. Yeah, we were taught things in a system that wasn't of God. And it caused a lot of confusion, a lot of pain, and a lot of hurt. Oh, boy. Does that sound like the operation of a local assembly today? Is anything close to that? Lovingly convicting to me. For the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Covenant. I don't know, is that, is that Genesis, the third chapter again? Which veil is done away in Christ, but unto this day, when Moses has read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it will turn to the Lord, this is proper preaching and teaching in proper, precise order, everyone in their proper place, the veil will be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit who breathes out the Word, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, and someone mentioned this yesterday, there is liberty. Yes, it's an invitation for liberty. Yes, it is. Most assuredly, yes, it is, in proper order, precise order and proper place. But we all with open really should be unveiled face, no flesh, beholding as in the glass the word, the preaching and teaching of it, the glory of the Lord when we receive it, don't resist it because of hardened areas. Oh, I don't like that counsel. I think it's too hard. Well, here, let me help soften it up. No. No. No, hands off. Hands off. Are changed. Experientially now, by the way. Into the same image. They have a proper image now. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The next place that that is read here is very interesting. Did you know 
that when I function in areas of hardness, meaning bad teaching has entered in and hard me in the terms of, of giving me a concrete thought, and that's the way it should be. No, that's all right for that to happen. No, it's not all right to happen. Let me give you the proof of it. Here's Luke, the 19th chapter. I'll read this verse as we begin to close this morning. Luke 19. You'll know about the parable. You read it. You can read it through. But, but each one, they were given a certain portion and what did they do with it? Now, there was one that was given a portion and this is what he said when the Lord came. He said in Luke 19, 21, he said, I feared you. I feared you. Why? Because you are an austere man. Right? This is the Greek word austeros, meaning this man believed in his flesh, in his hardened flesh, that God was hard. That message was hard. That counsel was hard. Severe. They thought God was severe, strict, and uncompromising, and very limited. That's okay for that to happen. Well, no, it's not. No, it is not right to happen. Okay? You take up that which you lay not down. You know, they, you know what? You know what Miriam and some said against Moses? You take too much upon yourself. That was a woman who spoke out. Said, Moses, you take, who, do you, who do you think you are? You know, we have a portion. We ha and what happened to her? Does anybody remember what happened to her? She, she had to be lovingly chastised and corrected, kept out of the camp for seven days. That's right, because she functioned outside of her place. Is Moses perfect? No. Is anybody perfect? No. But they're functioning in the place that God has placed them in. And then you reap that that you did not sow. And he said unto him, Out of your own mouth will I judge you, you wicked servant. That's Now God never considers you and I to be a wicked servant. That can be in behavior, but not in who we are in Christ. And wicked just simply means unbelieving. You know, there's a lot of bad teaching that can cause you to be an unbeliever in your experience. Again, Next place that that word is used is again here in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, you read it all the way through. Uh, verse 1, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, okay, as we have received mercy, this is all you and I receiving the truth through preaching and teaching, we think not. We don't quit and give up, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty or shame. That's the right word, by the way. Hidden things of shame. And hidden could be they're ignorant. I'm ignorant. I, I, I functioned this way for years. didn't know it was wrong. Okay, but here's the light. Here's the light. Here's the preaching and teaching. Huh? Hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness. Now, that would be rebellion nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, but if our gospel be hid, 
It is hid to them that are lost. And there's areas in our lives where the gospel, the full person of Christ and the work that he's accomplished in areas is lost. And we function in it. And the only way we can, if it's not truth, is deception in, in Revelations 12, 9. And then if I function in deception and I hear the certain word, and I think it's too hard and too severe, then what will I do? I will accuse in Revelations 12, 10. Okay? I will accuse it. I will accuse the individuals. And that can be done ignorance, in total ignorance. Thinking I'm doing something right, but total ignorance. It is not to be in the local assembly. I don't know, is the local assembly anything like this? And yet here's, the, here's how to function. Here it is. In God's order. In whom the God of this world, the counselor, the religious counselor, to who will ever hear his lies... And whom the God of this world has blinded, hardened the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who was the image of God, should shine unto them. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> For we preach not ourselves. Fleshly interpretation. Second Peter 1, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Privately interpreting the word of God through backup counsel. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Who's to do the preaching? Who's to do the counseling? Who's to do the teaching? Who's to do that? You, you, uh, I've had to be careful. I failed in it just recently. You don't put people in a place where they don't belong. You don't. Because it doesn't only affect them, it affects the whole local assembly. Okay? It's very, very crystal clear in the scriptures. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and your servants, your servants, for Jesus' sake. And then it goes into some tremendous truths here. Now, that word, device... In 2 Corinthians, two eleven, that word, we are not ignorant of his devices. What is a device? The Greek word is noema, N-O-E-M-A, noema, and it's from the Greek word noeo, N-O-E-O, and it's where we get our word for the mind, noose, N-O-U-S, it's the old word noose. But in this context, it's especially for evil plans and purposes. That's what it says. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 14, of which we just read, their minds were hardened, meaning their thought life. And that is where we get no, no A, N O E, long E, mata, M A T A, no A, mata. And listen to what this is. It is a first-person aorist. Aorist here means it is a timeless, eternal truth. Passive, meaning they have been worked on through the enemy. Passive. And it's indicative. And that brings out 
the dative in this sense, it's to advantage or disadvantage. Right? And it's from the verb, from that verb here, from the verb harden, literally mean, is the Greek word poros, P-O-R-O-S, meaning hard. We just read it in Luke 19, 21. They, in their thought life, they thought God was hard. They thought that message from God was hard. Scathing. I don't know. If you saw someone's house was on fire and you saw them in the window and they were asleep, how would you, tell, how would you speak to them? You would yell to them, Wake up! Your house is on fire. That word, poros, okay, it, it, it's from another Greek word, and it means this. It means, to, it means hard skin. Hard skin. Some of us have very, very soft skin because we never had right teaching. We never did. And everything affects us. We think everything's too hard because we were brought up a certain way. Because we didn't have teaching. Because we had bad teaching. And so we have... But here, we can get hardened through a lack of teaching. Hardened in thoughts. And it means to harden skin. It's like a callus. And it means to petrify. To petrify. Again, it's the same way in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It's the same way in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Flesh operating in a place it doesn't belong. Listen to me. But mighty through God in his order to the pulling down of strongholds. God is in the business through his word of individuals of pulling down strongholds. Did you ever see demolition work? Is that delicate? Is it delicate? No, but is it necessary? Yes. Then you bring in the delicacy and beauty of the word. Then you do that. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Casting down reasonings. All these hard thoughts. Right? Again, 2 Corinthians 10.4 the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Very hard areas. That God is reaching deep in all of our lives. That's why I, I said the other day, that I've never had the word more precise and more deep and more penetrating and more wonderful than it has been. Than it has been. Ever. In my life. In the lives of many. To petrify so again, the reasonings, the imaginations is logismos. Those reasonings, those reckonings. And it's from logizomai. It means I, I, because I'm in the flesh and, and, and operating in these areas where there was no teaching or bad teaching, I think the right teaching is wrong. I reckon it to be wrong and I need to adjust it. No. No. We need the adjustment. And God can reach us when we function in our place in a local assembly. And now, it, it means this, that, 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 we need, that we need to cast down imaginations. Those are reasonings, 
false reasonings, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is preached. There comes in another thing that acknowledges itself above that, which is wrong. Every single time is wrong. Wrong. And it's this, that there, Paul has this in mind, that God, when he deals with us in his love, there's areas where the flesh is like a fort or a citadel that needs to be conquered in that area. Now, we've been conquered. We're more than conquerors in Romans 8, 37 in our position. We need to be conquered in that experience. In the experience. Because if not, then it's 2 Corinthians eleven three, Eve was beguiled. That's ex a patat E-X-A-P-A-T-A-O, long O. And it means to deceive completely. And without precise proper teaching, and a person only receives it when they function in their proper place, they're going to be completely deceived. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They could be the most gifted. Were the Corinthians gifted? It was told by the Holy Spirit. They had gifts that other churches didn't even have. They had just as much or more. But they acted in deception. We're going to close with reading this. And I want to read it. Okay, a device. That which is formed by design. You see, Satan has designs for people to counteract the word of God that's preached. Listen, that which is formed by design or invented. A scheme, an artificial contrivance, a stratagem, a, a project generally and mostly in a bad sense. As artifices are usually employed for a bad sense. Can I do that ignorantly? Yes. Yes. Literally, this is what it means. A catching or ensnaring. The misleading of another person. Listen to me. Word is preached. Don't need any other backup counsel. Never. Ever. The misleading of another person to believe what is false. Or not to believe what is true. And thus ensnare him. To bring him into fraud and fallacy. To cheat. Any declaration or artifice or practice which misleads another or causes him to believe what is false. What is false? It's 8.30. You can also read Job 27, verse 4. Read Jeremiah 5, verse 27. The whole house was filled with deceit. Read Psalm 38, verse 12. It just simply means a trick or a craft. It's underhanded practices. This is very, very necessary. And very, very, th this is God's love giving us the beauty of his counsel. And Father, for this morning, we thank you and praise you for the depth of your counsel. And, and we want to continue in this as you lead and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen.